Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Friday, December the 29th, 2023 at 1044 a.m. Central Time. Well, today's focus, very simple question. Why do you study? Now, we probably need to really specify what kind of study we are referring to, but since this is the Theology Central podcast, and this is the Today's Focus podcast series where I try to give you something spiritual to focus on for the day, you probably have a very good idea what kind of study I'm referencing. I'm talking about why do we study our Bibles? Why do we study church history and theology and doctrine? Why do we learn Bible study methods? Why do we learn how to uh, interpret the Bible? We learn hermeneutics and we learn how to exegete the text. Why do we do these things? Now, it would seem like a pretty straightforward question, but I, I think that we may answer one way But there may be something else going on inside of us, and maybe sometimes our reasons aren't as noble, as godly, as we would like to pretend. Because, I, I, well, I think there are lots of reasons, but I don't want to go into it right now. I don't want to go into it right now, because here in a minute, we're going to consider why do we study. But before we do that, let me remind you of something that has been happening over the last few days. I have really started trying to challenge people with what we are calling the Sermons 2.0 app Sermon Challenge for 2024, right? The 2024 Sermons 2.0 Sermon Challenge. And the challenge is simple. Download the Sermons 2.0 app. Whether it's an Android or an Apple device, go to the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store, download the Sermons 2.0 app. And the goal is every single day when you wake up, you open that app and you choose a sermon as randomly as you can. You're not trying to look for your favorite kind of church. You're not nothing. You're just looking. In fact, I've said to go to the discovery tab on the Sermons 2.0 app, go to newest sermons and just like, just pick whatever it is and then listen to it. You write down in your notebook, you're going to have a notebook for the Sermons 2.0 app challenge. You write down the name of the sermon. You write down the date, you write down the church, right? And then what you're going to do after you listen, just write like a one sentence summary. And you can write down the page number in your notebook that you're, if you take actual in-depth notes on the sermon. And so by the end of 2024, hopefully you have a a list of all the sermons you listen to on the Sermons 2.0 app. Hopefully you have a notebook filled of notes and thoughts from it. But even if you don't have notes, you have a one sentence summary so you can go back and remember what the sermon was about. So by the end of 2024, hopefully you've listened to hundreds of sermons. It would be great if you had one for each and every day of the year. I know there'll be things that won't happen, but some days, maybe if you, maybe if there, you miss 15 days, you'll make up those 15 days at some other time by listening to some extra sermons. Hopefully that will happen. And the goal here is not about listening to me. I hope you understand this. The goal is not about listening to Theology Central. 
or today's focus or our Bible study exercise or any of the different podcast series that we, we produce. No, it's not about that. It's about you picking random sermons so that you hear different perspectives, different pastors, different voices, different ways of interpretation. And that will hopefully challenge you and give you much to think about and meditate on. And most important, most importantly, it will keep you focused in on that which is spiritual, because I believe 2024 is going to be an absolute train wreck of a year, and there's going to be a million voices screaming at you to be preoccupied and focused on everything other than God's Word. So I'm really, like, we kind of just stumbled into this challenge. Like, this really... It's not like this was really planned out or mapped out. I had, I have, I had other ideas about 2024 that I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to implement them. But this one we just kind of stumbled into and it just felt natural. I mean, we have this Sermons 2.0 app. There's millions of sermons, millions. So we have this wonderful thing there that we can benefit from. Well, let's, let's benefit from it and let's benefit from it in a unique way where we're just choosing random. Like, like you have no, like you don't get to, you don't sit there and get to just scroll through trying to find what you want. You can use it that way at other times, but for the challenge, this is, you're going to stumble upon who knows what things you agree with, things you disagree with, things maybe you've never even considered. You may hear interpretations. You're like, where did that come from? But it should all be interesting. That's good beneficial. That's great. And hopefully by the end of the year, you'll be like, wow, I got a, I got, I used that app like crazy in 2024. And then you'll be hopefully grateful for it. All right. Now, with all of that said, if I'm here and we're talking about that challenge as a part of today's focus, that's a pretty good indicator that what I'm about to do is use the sermon that I listened to today. And what you may hear is this sermon that I listened to today. You may hear it show up in a number of different podcast episodes today just to show you how one sermon, one sermon literally should be able to give you enough spiritual content to be able to do uh, who knows how many different things with. So I'm going to try to maybe demonstrate a little bit of that today. So are you ready? Here's what happened early this morning. I grabbed my iPad. I chose at random, and I ended up, are you ready, with a sermon entitled, The Bible versus Replacement Theology. The Bible versus Replacement Theology. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm just going to be honest with you. When I saw that title, <laughs> I, I it wasn't as random as it's supposed to be. I, I failed a little bit, but when I saw that title... I could not look away. It was like, it, it didn't matter. Like, I was like, it's not the top one. It's not the top one. Oh, it's like number eight, nine, ten down. I've got, oh, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. So I feel bad because I didn't quite follow the rules. I'm just being full transparency. But I saw the Bible versus replacement theology. I'm like, I've got to hear this. I've got to hear this. All right. So the Bible versus replacement uh, theology from Bible Baptist Church. Bible Baptist Church, the Bible versus replacement theology. Now, I think this subject is of great significance. It has major implications about eschatology, biblical prophecy, how you interpret some of these things. Lots, and, and it's been an issue that's been debated throughout a lot of church history. 
I think everyone should go find a sermon today. In fact, I don't know what you're doing. Go find it right now and download it. Just download it right now. Just hit hit download so that you you have it ready to go. It'll be in your library whenever whenever you're done listening to me today. And you may hear segments from it throughout the day, depending on how many times I broadcast today. But go download it right now. All right, the Bible versus replacement theology. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When I saw the title, my brain was like, oh, I wonder what kind of arguments he's going to make against replacement. Because I'm assuming if he says the Bible versus replacement theology, then he believes the biblical view does not support replacement theology. So immediately I was like, I wonder what arguments he's going to use. I wonder how he's going to approach this. I can't wait because this may give me different things that, that I could use. Oh, I can't wait. But then he did something that I thought was absolutely brilliant. Because at the very beginning of this, he kind of challenges us about why do we actually study? Why do we actually study? Now, instead of just saying what he's going to say, I'm going to let him say it and then we'll build up on it. Now, I'm just going to start this right from the beginning and let him kind of build up to it. But I really want you to just today... I mean, you've, I don't know how long you've been a Christian. Maybe you're brand new. Maybe you're not even a Christian. But for those who've been Christians for any length of time, I want you to just really ask yourself, what is the number one motivation? Truly, like just be unguarded and vulnerable. Just rip off the fig leaves, throw off that robe of self-righteousness, throw off all pretentiousness. Just be as real as you can be. There's times I think we study for some really wrong reasons. And this really challenged me this morning, so that's why I'm using it for today's focus. Are you ready? Let's listen to a little bit of this. Again, the Bible versus replacement theology, Bible Baptist Church. You can find it on the Sermons 2.0 app, and I challenge you to download it today. But in the meantime, let's listen to the beginning. Here we go. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 will be our first two stops this evening. 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and 1 Corinthians chapter 10. These two passages will help us introduce our topic and hope they'll be interesting, hope they'll be helpful for you this evening. 2 Timothy 2, 1 Corinthians 10, looking at 2 Timothy 1st, find those two places and we'll pray once more, ask God to help us as we look to the Scripture this evening. Father, thank You for the truth of Your Word. God, thank You for the perfection of the Holy Bible. Lord, thank You for the power of Your Word. And God, thank You for the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into the truth. And Lord, we need Your help this evening. Give us good understanding. Give us clarity Uh, Lord, give us a heart to receive the truth of your word tonight, and may our lives be pleasing in your sight, and we love you in Jesus' name, and amen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 15, should be a familiar passage to us all. The Bible says, study to fill thine head with facts and knowledge and information. The Bible says, study so that thou canst win every argument with every skeptic, every scoffer, every cultist, every unbeliever, and every brother in Christ. 
Now, it says to study, but that's not why. Study so that thou canst put thine spouse in her place. Good luck with that. (laughs) Study so that thou canst correct thine brother who fails to live up to thine own standard. Now, that's... That's not what the Bible says. That's kind of how we read it oftentimes. What does the verse actually say? Study to show thyself approved unto God. Now, this is one of those situations where as soon as I heard this, I was like, whoa, that's good. That's really good. Because I think sometimes we study out of maybe curiosity, maybe just at like an academic pursuit, maybe because we want knowledge. And sometimes I think we study together that information and then we do go around saying they're wrong and 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 they're wrong. We, in other words, we take all of that information and we use it to condemn and to point at everyone else. And, and, and he challenged all of that right from the start. And I thought, whoa, this is really good. So let's just take a couple of minutes, though, and at least consider 2 Timothy. First, we if you're not aware, there is some obviously debate on exactly how this verse should be translated. Let me just give you an example. Uh, I, I'll just read from a couple of things. 2 Timothy 2.15. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15 is a verse from the New Testament of the Bible. It has been translated in various ways depending on translation and the interpretation of the Greek text, of the original Greek text, which, I mean, we don't really have the original Greek text. It's the, uh, it's a, it's, 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 I should say this way. It's translated in various ways depending on translation and the interpretation of, well, different Greek text, all right? Here are a few different translations of 2 Timothy 2.15, New International Version. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. King James, study to show thyself approved. ESV, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. New American Standard, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who needeth not to be ashamed. So it seems that the King James translators went with the idea of study. The rest are just put forth your effort, work, be diligent, do what you have to do to accomplish something, to be approved. Now, if you look at the rest of the verse, study to show thyself approved. So let's set study aside for a minute. Be diligent, put forth the effort, work to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, because the verse ends with rightly dividing the word of truth, that seems to give maybe some credence to the idea, well, I, I need to put forth my work I need to put forth the effort to rightly divide the word of truth. Well, that means I'm studying, right? If I'm, if I'm putting forth effort to rightly divide the word of truth, that by, I mean, come on, that's study. So I think that there's at least an argument to be made that study is a good way to understand it. So for at least this discussion, let's go with this idea. Why do you study? Why do you put forth this effort? Why do you want to be able to rightly divide the word of truth? Now, for some, I can't speak for you, but for me, I think sometimes my number one motivation to rightly divide the word of truth is because I want truth. 
I want to understand. I see the Bible and I see millions of interpretations, everyone yelling, everyone screaming, no one can agree, church divisions, church splits, and it's been going on year after year after year after year. This denomination, this denomination, this commentary, this sermon. And it's like, it's all this, like, it's it's chaos. And I feel like that I'm looking at a million pieces of, of uh a million puzzle pieces spread out all over a table. And so for me, I want to put it together so I can see what the picture is. So I can see the completed picture. So I can just stop listening to everyone else. Like, shh, you all be quiet. I don't care. I put the puzzle together. Here's what it says. I have rightly divided the word of truth. I want answers. I want to find, I want to know. And I want to know. And in some ways, there's probably been other reasons I want to know. It's because I wanted to know more than everyone else. I wanted to be the smartest one in the room. When everyone else is offering some interpretation, I can say, what are you talking about? That is, that's not, that's not what the text says. And blah, 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 blah. Here's the reasons why. I want to be able to answer all the questions. A lot of my reasons have been probably very, very self-focused, self-centered, and about self-exaltation. I wanted to put forth the work so, uh, so I could rightly divide so I could have answers. I wanted to put forth the work so I could rightly divide so that I knew more than everyone else. I wanted to put forth the effort so I could rightly divide so that I could feel good about myself that, hey, I may not be able to do this and I may not be able to do that and I may not be good at this and I may not be good at that, but nobody can touch me when it comes to my study of the scriptures and my diligence and my work. Nobody can criticize that. I can, I'll, I'll do exegetical circles around you. I've told the story, but it bears repeating. When I first became saved, I just, I started reading, studying, reading, studying. I'm not going to go through all the details. Read, study, read, study. And it was probably maybe six months, maybe even less than six months. I started realizing something. They gave us these study guides, like I have one right here, kind of that probably is what similar to what we got. Right, this is one on Mark, Explore the Bible, Personal Study Guide, Fall 2023. Right, it's a study guide. Well, they were hand me these study guides for for the Sunday school class at church because I, this is what happened. I didn't want to go to the youth group. I didn't want to go to the youth Sunday school class because it was a joke. It was, it was ridiculous. And so I'm like, I'm going to go to the adult and because I was a teenager, brand new Christian. And my parents didn't go to church. So I'm like, I'm going to the adult Sunday school because this is, this is ridiculous. The teenagers, it's fun, food, games. This is dumb. I don't want anything to do with this. I want to learn something. So I went to the adult one, right? Okay, so I went to the adult one and they handed me these these little you know study guides. Well, I went home and devoured them. I read everything, had things highlighted, circle, and I had a million questions. And I started, I started realizing something really quick. I was coming to the Sunday school class prepared, ready. I read all the scriptures. I read everything in the study guide. I was looking up anything and everything I could find. I was ready to go. I came to Sunday school like, let's go, let's go, let's dig in. Well, first I figured out that nobody else in the Sunday school class didn't even bother looking at the study guide because they didn't have a clue what was going on. So then I would get frustrated to everybody in the class. I'm like, what? Why are you even here? If you didn't even bother to, why? Well, then I started figuring out that the Sunday school teacher, I think, started looking at her, her or his, uh, I don't, I can't, I think it was a her for a part of the time that maybe it was him. I can't remember the Sunday school teacher. I, it was obvious that they had waited till maybe Saturday night to look it over. 
and they didn't really know the content of even the study guide. And they definitely didn't seem to understand the content of the actual verse. So guess what I did? Yes, I was so godly. And all of that Bible study had benefited me so greatly that I would sit in class and utterly humiliate and destroy anyone and everyone and probably made them all feel stupid. And I was a condescending, arrogant little jerk. So my study did me absolutely no good. I knew more. And I could kind of look at them going, did you even bother to read it? I mean, did anyone do anything? Did anyone? Did anyone study? Like, what's the point? Like, I I would get very frustrated. Now, on one hand, I stand by the fact that the Sunday school teacher should have been more prepared than the student. I do stand by that. I do believe that the adults demonstrated a lack of of desire if they were showing up to class and didn't even bother reading the study guide that the church paid money to put into their hands. Like, that's ridiculous to me, right? But my study should have been for a different reason. My study, this effort, the way it is written in the King James, I should study to show thyself approved unto God. My study should be to show thyself approved unto God. Let's see how he is going to speak of this. And then we'll come back and talk a little bit more. But I was greatly convicted this morning by this. And so I wanted to present this to you for your today's focus. Why do you study? Do you study to be approved by God? Or do you study to be seen by men? Do you study to be approved by God? Or do you study to be to, to exalt yourself above everyone else? Is your study making you better spiritually or just making you ready to fight and argue and condemn everyone else? Study is a necessary step in having a life that pleases God. I'm not necessarily studying to correct everybody else. I'm studying to correct myself. Wow. I am not studying to correct everyone else. I am studying to correct myself. You may want to go to the front of your Bible and write that at the front. I am going to study this Bible Not so that I can correct others, but that I can be corrected by the words of this Bible. Everyone should write that in the front of their Bible today. I am going to study this Bible, not that I can correct others, but that I will be corrected by the words found within this Bible. That needs to be our approach. When we're listening to a sermon, we should not be thinking of of all the other people this applies to. We should be looking for how it applies to us. We should be better spiritually for If the only thing you're better at is being able to condemn and correct everyone else. Sometimes I think that's what we do. We run, and I've seen this so many times. I've seen people, I remember uh, in in Nebraska, I I was in the, the United States Air Force at the time. 
And there was a guy who went to church with us, and he he always had an excuse why he couldn't study. He was doing this for the military. He was doing this. And, and when he got done with that, he was going to spend more time studying the Bible. But it was really just like he went to church, but then he was just going to do whatever he wanted to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? I mean, study was not a high priority, and he knew that. Well, then he, he went to work. He got into some argument with, I don't know, some charismatic somebody. So then he came back, and it, it, like that night, he came over to my house, and uh, he was like, we're apart at the time. He can, and he was like, hey, 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 give me some scriptures and, and give me some books. And and, 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 I, and I remember this. Now, at this point, I look, I still had uh, my own problems with spiritual pride, but I do remember hearing him and I kind of said, why do you want to study now? Well, I want to show them. So you want to study so that you can prove them wrong. You want to study so that you can argue with them. Your motivation to study is not motivated so that you can grow, so that you can be corrected. So I, I, there are times that I could, I could see when this was happening, but I was really good at seeing it when it was happening to other people, not always necessarily seeing it when it was happening to me. When it was happening to me, I couldn't see it. But I always studied just a little bit more than everyone else because I wanted to make sure I knew more than everyone else. When I was in my first Bible Institute, I was going to be, I was going to study more than everyone else in that, in, in uh, uh, that Institute. I wanted to be the one who knew more, answer all the right questions, could run circles around them in interpreting the text. I could throw out cross references before anybody else. If we were in church and we were doing Bible drills, I wanted to be the one who could beat beat everyone else to the text. If the pastor asked questions, I wanted to be the one to answer the questions. And it was more about my own pride than it was about wanting to do this so that I could live a life approved unto God. I could live a life that would be correct. That's why you have to be very careful when you're, especially as a Christian, some Christians love discernment ministries where the, all those ministries do is condemn and point out everyone else being wrong. And it'll be a two hour, three hour, four hour podcast. And all they're doing is like, this one is wrong. And 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 that's why when I do sermon reviews now, when we do a typical sermon review, that's why I have very strict rules on how I do it. I don't listen to the sermon first. Because if I listen to the sermon first and I think it's bad, then all I'm doing is literally turning on the microphone to play a sermon that I know is bad simply to be able to critique it and to condemn it. Now, look, there are times that is necessary when you hear of a sermon that is so bad. There are times that is necessary. But typically what I like to do, if I'm going to review a sermon, I'm not reviewing it to try to tell it whether it's good or bad. I'm listening to it because I want to learn and grow and be challenged by it. Now, maybe when I get halfway through, I'm condemning it. There's obviously, we're not saying it's ever wrong to condemn something, but the goal is to go in to learn. The goal is to go in and benefit spiritually. So your study, is it to correct yourself or is it to correct everyone else? Let's listen to a little bit more about what he has to say here. I'm not studying so that I can right everybody else's wrongs. I am to study so that I can find out where I'm wrong and get it right. Another thing you could write down, I am studying not to identify how everyone else is wrong. 
I'm to study so that I can identify how I am wrong. Are you studying to figure out how you are wrong? I think some people listen to sermons so that they can try to identify how the pastor is wrong. Some people leave church and all they took away from the sermon was how they think the pastor was wrong. Instead of taking that time of studying God's word and allowing that whatever scripture was preached for that scripture to first to be applied to them. When you listen to a sermon, is your first thought how the pastor is right or wrong or how you are right and wrong in light of that scripture? Because the scripture is the standard in which we put down. It's the standard. So whenever you've been confronted with God's word, your first thought shouldn't be how the pastor was right or wrong. The first thought should be, how am I right or how am I wrong? Can you imagine if everyone left church thinking more about how the text applied to them and corrected them and challenged them and convicted them and spoke to them more than they were about complaining about how the pastor said something or he raised his voice too much or he was rude or instead of worrying about all of these things or how the person behind you irritated you or how so-and-so was wearing something. If you would stop worrying about everyone else and hear the word of God and go, man, all right, I'm going to think about that today. Can you imagine what church would look like? What it would be like? As a pastor, when I'm done preaching, I should be less worried about whether I think people liked it or disliked it, and whether I should upload it or not upload it, whether I said something correctly or said something incorrectly, whether I got my point across or didn't get a point across, whether I messed up an illustration or didn't mess up an illustration. What I should worry about is what did I just preach? What was that scripture? And what did that scripture reveal about me? What did it show me? How can I use it to be corrected? I shouldn't be worried about whether in the people in the congregation got it or didn't got it, whether they were convicted. I should worry about what it did to me. But too many times I'm worried about everything else. When I'm done with a podcast episode, I should be more worried about whatever scriptures we dealt with than whether I think I'm going to get 400 downloads, 500 downloads, 1,000 downloads, whether I'm going to be in the top 5% of all podcasts or not, I, I should be more worried about what the scriptures do to me and say to me. Let's continue. And that does take study. We're commanded to search the scriptures. God put truth here a little and there a little. And so we've got to read the Bible carefully. We've got to pay attention to the context. We've got to make sure that we understand the framework for a passage of Scripture and whatever details, whatever truth we find in that passage, we've got to make sure that it fits within that framework. And that is going to take study. It is going to take, we'll read in the verse, work. But the ultimate purpose of all of that is that I need to study so that I can learn what I need to learn in order to have a life that pleases God. When you study, when you listen to a sermon, what you should take from it is its challenge, instructing you, showing you the life that is required to be pleasing to God. The, the the text says in the King James, study. In fact, let me go back here. I closed that Bible. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved, approved. Well, the Greek word for approved right there is this Greek word. 
It is this Greek word. Strong's G, 1384. Dokimos. 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 It's used seven times. It's, it's, it's translated approved six times, one time tried. Strong's definition of dokimos is properly, acceptable, approved. The outline of biblical usage is accepted particularly of coins and money. Accepted, pleasing, acceptable. In the ancient world, there was no banking system as we know it today and no paper money. All money was made from metal, heated until liquid poured into molds and allowed to cool. When the coins were cooled, it was necessary to smooth off the uneven edges. The coins were comparatively soft, and of course, many people shaved them closely. In one century, in one century more than 80 laws were passed in Athens to stop the practice of whittling down the coins then in circulation. But some money changers were, were men of integrity who would accept no counterfeit money. There were men of honor who put on genuine full weight, who put only uh, full weight money into circulation. Such men were called dokimos, and this word is used here for Christians as here is to be seen by the world. That's from Dr. Gray uh, Barnhouse, Romans, God's Glory, page 18. The point is, is that it used to be about money being, well, acceptable, uh, being uh, of a particular weight, a particular kind, a particular make. And that this money is acceptable. This money is legitimate. This money is right. My, my job is, or my goal is to study so that in a sense, I can be pleasing, acceptable unto God, not, not a counterfeit in some way. In other words, study should bring about legitimacy to my life to some of it. It should be leading it to it. It should expose where I'm a counterfeit. I'm illegitimate in some way, shape, or form. There's something not, there's some impurity in me, and it should expose it, and I should see it. Because the study is, is yes, it's about God, but then I mean, what do we always say? The more we learn about God, the more we see ourselves. For some weird reason, we take study. We may learn about God, but we learn it and then we want to apply it to everyone else. And we want to condemn, 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 condemn. Many of these discernment ministries, what they probably should do is dedicate one program per week or one program per month where all they do is expose themselves as what they really are. Be very honest about their failures, their shortcomings. Be be willing to rip off the fig leaves to say, hey, this discernment minister, guess what? I struggle with this and I struggle with this and I fell in this. Now, of course, that would be a very uncomfortable episodes, right? But the point is you spend so much time pointing out everyone else's faults. You, you got to see yourself. Why are you studying? Why are you committed to scripture? I think sometimes we are committed to scripture so that we can learn right and wrong so that we can then go apply to everyone else because that takes the focus off our own right and wrong. Sometimes they say the people who scream the loudest about a specific sin are probably the people struggling the most with it. Not saying that that's always true, but it can be. Why do you study? Why do you study? Are you studying so that you will be approved unto God? A workman that will not be ashamed. Now, we don't want to be ashamed 
in our wrong doctrine. We want to make sure we have the right doctrine, but we also want to study so that we will be challenged and convicted. So I, I need you to write some things in the front of your Bible this morning. That you're going to study these words. Not so that you can correct everyone else, but that you yourself will be corrected by the words found right here within the Bible. Now, I challenge you to go listen to the rest of that sermon. We will probably talk about it more today. But our Sermons 2.0 challenge, I can hear my pencil, our Sermons 2.0 challenge for this 2024 is, well, a sermon a day. And the sermon for today is The Bible versus Replacement Theology by Bible Baptist Church. And I absolutely loved that he started this sermon this way. Absolutely applaud it. That's awesome. That's amazing. Because whenever you're getting ready to deal with this theological issue, a lot of people are going to take good notes so that they can argue with people who hold the opposing view. All right, I'm just going to leave it right there. Just going to leave it with a dramatic pause. I don't think anything else needs to be said. I can't speak for you. I'm convicted. You may not struggle with any of this, and if that is, praise God. I'm glad for you. Maybe you always study with the right motivation. Hopefully you always study with the right intention. But I think every time we open this, instead of looking out of a window, we should open it and look into a mirror and the thing we see is ourselves. Someone in chat just said, thank you, very thought-provoking. I thought it was very thought-provoking. There we have it. All right, thanks for listening. You can email me your thoughts, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I hope you are considering participating in our 2024 Sermons 2.0 Sermon Challenge. I know it's only December, what, the 29th? Yeah, the 29th. I already got my notebook. I've got two down. Now, the problem is when this notebook is full of sermons with one-sentence summaries, is that going to be a record of me studying to be approved unto God, or is it going to be about me taking some sense of pride on how many sermons I listen to, feeling like I'm somehow morally superior. Hopefully, by the time I'm done listening to that many sermons, I don't feel morally superior. I'm broken, humbled, and more teachable, and more willing to acknowledge just how far I fall short in every way, and much more dependent upon the imputed righteousness of Christ. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. And that is your today's focus for December the 29th, 2023.